Women in Sport, 50 Fearless Athletes Who Played to Win, written by Rachel Ignatowski. Junko Tabei, Mountaineer. In Japan in the 1960s and 1970s, opportunities for women outside of the home were very limited, with few options even for university-educated women. But Junko Tabei knew she had the potential to achieve extraordinary things. She would conquer the world's tallest peaks and become a role model for women everywhere. Junko Tabei was born in 1939 and started climbing at age 10. She liked that climbing wasn't about speed or competition, it was about making your way to the top with your team. Junko continued to climb in high school and after university joined predominantly male climbing clubs. Many men refused to climb with her but she didn't care. She was too busy climbing some of Japan's tallest mountains. In 1969, Junko founded Japan's first women's mountaineering group, which she led at Annapurna 3 in 1970. After that victory, she set her sights on Mount Everest. The club scheduled a climb for 1975, and she began looking for sponsors. Junko remembers being told that they should be raising children instead. Many potential sponsors thought it was impossible for women to climb Mount Everest. Finally, a Japanese newspaper and Nihon Television funded their climb. She would lead 14 women up Earth's tallest mountain. Mount Everest is one of the most prestigious and dangerous mountains to summit due to its extreme size, rough terrain and terrible weather. Many people have tried to climb Everest, only to turn back or, worse, die on the mountain. Twelve days before submitting, Junko and her team were hit by an avalanche. She was buried under four members of her team and had to be dug out by a guide. Luckily, no one died, but Junko was covered in painful bruises. Finally, on May 16th, 1975, Junko became the first woman to summit Everest. In 1992, Junko achieved her next goal, to conquer the rest of the seven summits, the tallest summit on each continent. Then she went on to try to scale the tallest mountain in each country of the world, checking 70 countries off her list. Junko proved countless times that women can achieve the impossible.
Wilma Rudel, Athletics Sprinter. Wilma Glodine Rudolph was born in Tennessee, USA in 1940. When Wilma was four, she contracted polio that painfully wasted the muscles in her left leg, and doctors said she would never walk again. Physical therapy was her only hope, but because of unjust segregation laws, Wilma was banned from the all-white hospitals near her home. So every week, Wilma's mum took her on a 50-mile bus ride to Nashville to get the treatment she needed. Against the odds, by age nine, Wilma could walk again. She became the star of her high school basketball team, but the racism she experienced in the segregated South made her angry. It fueled her competitive spirit. And she started fighting back in a new way, by winning. When Wilma was 15, pioneering coach Ed Temple recruited her for an athletics summer camp. And in 1956, at age 16, Wilma qualified for the Olympics. She helped her team win a bronze medal in the 400 metres relay. Four years later, at the 1960 Olympics, Wilma twisted her ankle the day before her events. She ran through the pain and, with a taped-up ankle, won gold in the 100-metre dash, the 200-metre dash, and the 4x400-metre relay. Wilma was the first American woman to win three athletics gold medals at one Olympic Games. She became an international sensation. Wilma went on a world media tour, and her hometown of Clarksville, Tennessee, wanted to honour her with a parade. But there was a catch only white people would be allowed to attend. Wilma refused to participate unless the parade was desegregated. She turned it into the first integrated event in Clarksville and for the rest of her life used her fame to advocate for civil rights. Wilma retired from racing at age 22. She established the Wilma Rudolph Foundation which helps young athletes from underserved communities follow their dreams. Wilma died at age 54 from cancer, but her dedication to sports and civil rights lives on. Jodie Conrad, Basketball Coach Jodie Conrad transformed women's basketball into the respected powerhouse sport it is today and coached one of the winningest women's university teams in basketball history. When she started coaching, it was her unpaid side job, but by the time she retired in 2007, she was making over half a million dollars a year. When many thought female sport at university was a joke, she proved its worth with the sheer force of winning. Born Addie Jo Conrad in Texas, USA in 1941, Jodie always had state pride. She took up basketball in high school and dreamed of becoming a professional basketball star. 
She played while earning a degree in physical education from Baylor University. Jodie graduated in 1963 and started teaching while coaching high school basketball. At first, Jodie coached the slow-paced six-player style of women's basketball, where only two players could run the entire length of the court. In 1969, Jodie moved on to university basketball, and women started playing just like the men did, five on five, with all the players running the full court. In 1973, she moved to the University of Texas, Arlington. The budget was only $1,200 for the entire women's sports program, and Jodie coached all three women's teams. With her in charge, the women's basketball, volleyball, and softball teams all won state championships. Jodie was making a name for herself. She was recruited to coach the Longhorns women's basketball team at the University of Texas in Austin. She started on a salary of $19,000, which shocked critics and made the news. Under her coaching, the Lady Longhorns were unstoppable in the Southwest Conference and won 183 consecutive league games. In 1986, Jodie led the Lady Longhorns to win their first national championships after an undefeated season. The next year, she coached the US national team to win the Pan-American Games. In 1997, she became the first female basketball coach to win 700 games. Jodie retired with 900 wins to her credit. She led a whole generation of female champions and her influence changed the nation's perceptions of women's sport. Jean King, tennis player. Billie Jean King, named Moffitt, was born in 1943 in California, USA. At age 12, she fell in love with tennis, but not with the sport's elitism. To play tennis back then, you needed to join an expensive club, many of which had racist policies and sexist attitudes. Billie Jean would become one of the best players in history and use her power to change tennis forever. In 1961, aged 17, Billie Jean shocked everyone when she won the doubles at Wimbledon. In 1966, she won the Wimbledon singles for the first time. From then, she dominated singles and doubles tournaments all over the world. In 1968, the United States Tennis Association, USTA, began to award prize money for their events. Men's prizes were worth over twice as much as the women's. When Billie Jean won Wimbledon in 1968, she received only £750. The male champion won £2,000. So with eight others, she started her own pro-women's tour, the Virginia Slims. By 1971, they secured $10,000 in prize money for each event. 
Billie Jean dominated the Slims Tour and became the first female athlete to win $100,000 in one year. In 1972, she was the first woman to be named Sports Illustrated Sportsperson of the Year. In 1973, the USTA finally decided to award men and women equal prize money. The feminist movement was in full swing, with women demanding equal treatment and pay. Many people were still sceptical about the value of women in sport. One outspoken critic was Bobby Riggs, a former men's tennis champion, who challenged Billie Jean to a battle of the sexes. At first, she declined, but then Grand Slam winner Margaret Court lost to him. Billie Jean realised that she had to beat Bobby so the world could see the value of women's tennis. She crushed him, winning 6-4, 6-3, 6-3. Her win led to the creation of the Women's Tennis Association. Billie Jean retired in 1983 with a total of 39 Grand Slam titles. Today, she continues to fight for equal treatment for women in sport and the workforce. Patty McGee, skateboarder. In 1965, Life magazine described the skateboard as the most exhilarating and dangerous joyriding device this side of the hot rod. So you can imagine how impressive a petite blonde girl doing a handstand on her skateboard looked on the cover of Life's May 1965 issue. This was one of many of Patty McGee's public appearances throughout her skateboarding career, and she became one of the most influential skaters in history. Patty was born in 1945 and grew up in Santa Monica, California, USA. She loved the ocean and surfing. But what does a surfer do when the surf is too low? Ride the road, of course. In 1962, Patty started skateboarding. She and her surfing friends would skateboard down hills and sneak into parking garages and practice tricks. Patty was a daredevil and would do handstands, figure of eights and 360s on her board. She also had a need for speed and in 1965 became the fastest person on a skateboard after being pulled along by a motorcycle. That same year, she became female US national skateboard champion. After her big win came opportunities. By age 19, she had become the first female professional skateboarder, sponsored by Hobby Skateboards. She travelled the country showing off her skills and teaching others. She appeared on TV and became the first woman on the cover of Skateboarder magazine. All of this helped make skateboarding a national sensation, and she was one of the most recognised people in the sport. When skateboarding's popularity died down in the 1970s, Patty switched gears. She started skiing in Northern California, became a turquoise miner in Nevada, then worked as a leathersmith 
Patty settled down and ran a trading post in Arizona, where she raised her two children. After 15 years there, Patty switched back into skateboarding. She started First Betty, now called the Original Betty Skateboard Company, which makes boards and sponsors female skaters. Pioneer Patty can still be seen skating it up at the local parks. Women in Sport, 50 Fearless Athletes Who Played to Win Written by Rachel Ignatowski.